Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It's a very exciting show because it is a Wednesday show, which means we are previewing the Bucks' next game. And this week is even more special because it's a playoff game, baby. That's right. The Bucks have advanced to the playoffs. No, Rick Zoyce in the house. They are hosting a game. We are lucky enough to have Rick Zoyce on the show again, a Cowboys aficionado and a football insider. Rick joined us for the week one matchup when the Bucks played against the Cowboys. And we are lucky enough to have Rick on the show again. I'm your host, Matt Matera, and joined with me is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com, SR Scott Reynolds. But we'll start with Rick. Thank you so much for joining the show. And how are you? Howdy, doing? Rick. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> howdy, boys. Just in case we needed any clarity on which side of the fence I'm on here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Um, and and uh, just, just so we introduce Rick properly, uh, Rick was my best man at, at my wedding and a very good friend of mine for, gosh, over a decade now, I think around a decade and uh, we coached uh pop Warner you're aging together. us yeah i am yeah. <laughs> you, you have a hat uh, that you you're going to wear i was going to bring back a little uh trip down memory lane with with my hat well represented in the uh, college football postseason at the no d1 kidding. level this year so that was exciting yeah. fun very very cool to see wade Woodass and all the all the guys doing their thing uh, rj RJ Garcia from Kansas State. Yeah, it's crazy to see how these kids have grown up. Um, it really is. And these Buccaneers and Cowboys have grown up since week one, uh, to a degree. Grown up a little bit. Matured in <laughs> yeah. some ways. I, yeah. I did have one other prop that I needed to show okay. you Scott, before we, we go too far. Um, oh, it I is a real school. <laughs> so yeah. there you go. My uh, brother went there for a year. Oh my gosh. I'm familiar with Are, that point as well. My brother went there for a year. Then he transferred out, but yeah, it is a real school. He did go there. Seven for or eight years? No. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the inside joke there is Rick, who played defensive back, you're you're a DB at heart, uh cornerback. Um, he, he always told me that he went to High Point University, and I always thought that was a joke because he would like go up and high point the ball, getting some interceptions. <laughs> yeah. And, and it wasn't until like I received a flyer in the mail from High Point University that it was an actual real thing. And I called you, I'm like, dude, like <laughs> you weren't kidding. There's actually a High Point University. So that was funny. Uh, good stuff. Well, um, you know, speaking of uh, of, of high pointing uh, things, we're going to high point this this Bucks Cowboys playoff game like like nobody else's business. Um, we've really been studying this matchup. It's great that we've had a couple of games now, both of which have have gone the Buccaneers' way, a 31-29 win and opening day back in 2021, and then opening day win again for Tampa Bay in Dallas, 19-3. And, and that was that game was a bit of an anomaly because the Buccaneers ran the ball really, really well that day and have not done, <laughs> not done that since. They're actually the worst team in the league when it comes to running the ball. But, uh, you know, every every dog has its day. Uh, every squirrel, blind squirrel can find the nut sometimes. And Leonard Fournette had a 100-yard day. And uh, and that was that was a really unique day for the Buccaneers uh, in, in winning that game. We saw the return of Chris Godwin. We saw the, the early exits of Donovan Smith, who got injured <clears throat> in that game. Uh, Micah Parsons beat him for a sack. And, and that really kind of was the continuation of the Buccaneers' uh, aches and pains along the offensive line that started in training camp with Ryan Jensen, our starting center, went out in this, the second training camp practice. And then Aaron Stinney, who was uh, a starter at guard during the Super Bowl year, 
he went out and Donovan Smith goes out and it's just kind of been a little bit of, of a topsy-turvy offensive line situation. And now the Buccaneers have got their starting center, Robert Hainsey, who exited the week 17, week 18 matchup against the Falcons with a hamstring injury. So he's a little bit questionable right now. But Smith and Werfs, Tristan Werfs, are, are going to be back in action. So let, let's start with, with the Buccaneers' offense and, and how that matches up with, with this Dallas defense, Rick, because you know Tom Brady's had to throw the ball an awful lot this year. They, they tried to, to run the ball. He wasn't really leaned on too much in that week one matchup, but they've had to lean on Tom ever since. We saw the fourth quarter comebacks against the Rams, the Saints, the Cardinals on Christmas night, the Panthers. And, you know, when, when you've got a team that's that's very one-dimensional, they'll try to run the ball, but without much success. Uh, what does Dan Quinn do, and what, is, what does this Dallas defense do to, to try to stymie Tom Brady this time around? So you and I talked about a little, a little bit about this earlier. The one thing that I would say is, yes, run numbers haven't been great for you guys, but I think you guys supplement that really nicely with the quick passing game and then also the outlets and the screens. Um, so Dan has not been playing a ton of press, uh, particularly since Anthony Brown got injured. Um, mm -hmm. And we've kind of gone through some rotations there to figure out who we can add into the mix with Ron Bland, who's had a really good season. Mm -hmm. And I think I yeah. actually mentioned him on our very first podcast that I yeah. was excited to see him because we weren't sure if Jordan Lewis was going to start the season. Uh, but that other corner spot outside of uh, Diggs and Bland, they've been rotating through some guys the last couple of weeks to try to figure out what the best combo is. Right. Um, I, you know, you guys get the ball out. Brady gets the ball out very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you guys are um, top in the league in, in sack percentage uh, offensively, not allowing sacks. And I, you're third in best interception rate. So he gets the ball yeah. out quickly and efficiently. The, 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 Mantra or the, or the approach that Quinn has kind of taken is, hey, bend but don't break. Keep everything in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, that's not going to work. I think he's going to have to press mm -hmm. to help take away some of those quick passes uh, and to be able to get up and, and defend those screens and the outlets to the running back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this question here, just a good one from Mark Fisher. You and I were talking about this a little <laughs> bit, Rick. Before. Have you ever had a playoff game where you have no idea what to expect from either team, right? And, and, uh, when it comes to the Bucks offense, and we'll talk about the Cowboys offense in a little bit here, but with the Bucks offense is just they've struggled to score points. They scored 30 points against the Panthers. Uh, I think the highest they scored this year is 31 and, and a 41-31 loss back in week four to the, the Chiefs. But um, even in, in that Carolina game, everything that has bothered the Bucks that they've struggled with this year, uh, poor red zone efficiency, poor third down conversion rate. They can't run the ball. They had 67 yards against the Panthers. The only difference in that game was hitting the three deep shots to Mike Evans, a 63-yarder, 57-yarder, and a 30-yarder. And we've seen Mike feast when when teams will will play him in, in man coverage, and that, that also includes cover one, cover three, with a single high safety. How much will Dan Quinn – try to take away Mike Evans with, with cover two or quarters or, or doing something where the safeties are back and, and helping over the top. I, so I think the, I think what you're going to see is I think you're going to see a lot of digs on Evans um, because I, they're going to have to give safety help to whoever that other corner is. They're also going to need to play those. He's going to want to play those safeties up in that short middle of the field where Brady loves to attack. 
to help with that. So I think mm-hmm. they're going to go, you know, Diggs um, has traveled on, on a lot of receivers this year. It's not, they don't always do it, but when they feel it's favorable, uh, they do it. I think you're going to see Diggs there. And I think uh, the safety help is going to have to go to the other side and also coming up and helping with Godwin engage underneath. Um, so that's, that's what I think you'll see there. I think you're going to see a lot of Evans and, and Diggs one-on-one. Um, I thought Diggs played, uh, played well against Evans week one. Uh, yeah. There was that fade in the in the end zone, um, which, you know, we can debate right. whether that was OPI <laughs> or not. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I thought he played well against them. So I think that's the at this point, that's a matchup they feel good about. And they're going to try to help in the other areas. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask about both corners because uh, Dick's obviously a very exciting player. We all know what he did last season with the number of interceptions. And while he is obviously very aggressive, that's how you get that high number like he did. He's obviously very susceptible as well to get beat deep because he's going to take that chance and and try to make the big play. And because of that, he, he'll he get burned. And Mike Evans, I mean, he asked for it all the time. He even said it today when we spoke to him. I hope I get one-on-one coverage. I hope I don't get yeah. uh, safety help. But it sounds like, as you said, that the Cowboys are very confident in that. And then on the flip side, with Rob Bland, I mean, he's a rookie that leads the Cowboys in interceptions. So, like, what have you seen from him this year? And, how great has that been for the Cowboys? Because, you know, the draft can be a crapshoot. You bring in a rookie. You never expect the guy to explode onto the scene. But leading the team in interceptions obviously goes a long way. Yeah, fifth-round rookie at that. So yeah. uh, he's been yeah. a blessing. Um, had had Anthony Brown not went out, um, I think this would have been a really solid rotation at cornerback. Or had Lewis even not, Jordan Lewis not went out, if you would have mm-hmm. had any combination of the three of those, uh, would have been, been well, uh, would have been a, a really good situation. Um, Diggs has gotten beat. You know, he is aggressive. Uh, he's much been, but much better at it this year, as far as not biting, he has had some instances, Mm -hmm. uh, but he's been much more disciplined about it. Uh, but he's aggressive and you want that out of a corner. At least I would, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, Bland is really, he's really savvy for, for a rookie. And the thing that I love about him is he plays the ball really well in the air. If you watch Mm -hmm. some of the picks that he's had, uh, he's, they're not just getting thrown to him. He's making a play yeah. on the ball. He's getting his hands in there with the receiver's hands. He comes away with a lot. There's a lot of times where he'll be in zone and he'll just drop out. He'll, he'll read a route in front of him mm-hmm. that somebody else has, and he'll drop into that zone and cut that lane off. So he's very savvy. Uh, I'm so what, what you're saying is him. he's enrolled in high point university, right? He, he is enrolled <laughs> in high point university. Um, I think depending on how they're going to be able to match him up with Godwin, I think they're probably going to want to bracket Godwin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he's a good matchup with Godwin. Um, the question there then is, okay, what about Gage and Julio Jones? How yeah. are you? How are you going to? How are you going to match up with those? Yeah, and with Julio Jones, he had a, a big game uh, coming up party, if you will, for Tampa Bay in that season opener. Uh, caught a deep ball, had a nice end around for a first down. But he also got hurt in that game, and he hurt his knee, and and really, maybe the exception of, of the Seahawks game, hasn't really delivered uh, a lot. I mean, I I don't say he's washed. I've, I've got some respect for Julio Jones, but he's just not the same player for sure. And I don't think he's had the impact because of that injury in week one that that the the Buccaneers expected. At the same time, we've heard from Byron Leftwich, we've heard from, from Tom Brady on his podcast, this is a much healthier Buccaneer team than it has been in recent weeks. And Julio is one of those players that sat out last week, along with Tristan Wirfs and Donovan Smith. 
So they feel like they're they're getting you know guys back, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. But Vita Vey is one of those other guys too mm-hmm. that sat out with a calf injury that that they're expecting to you know to to rejoin the fold. Carlton Davis is is another player that that missed last week. So they're they're expecting a lot of these Buccaneer players, and Julio's one of them, to be back in action, and and really for the first time, Matt, since since week one, and you asked Byron Lovewich about this today. It seems like it, you know with, with Chris Godwin playing way better now than he did in week one, where, where he kind of made his miraculous comeback in quick fashion from that torn ACL. They'll really have a full complement of wide receivers, probably as healthy as they've been with Evans. Godwin, Julio, Russell Gage. I mean, it just it seems that they'll have their full arsenal for the first time right. in some time. That's right. It feels like first time, long time that uh, you know, they're gonna have the the I don't want to say the core four because they haven't lived up to a right. nickname deserving of core four that's usually set aside for uh historic units and yeah. groups. But yeah, I think there's a reason why you hear some rumblings. Now a lot of it's coming from Tampa Bay players and Tampa Bay media that Chris Godwin should be considered for comeback player of the year. He's probably not going to win it because of like Geno Smith and Saquon Barkley. Yeah. But I mean, Chris Godwin week one, let's remember Byron Leftwich actually mentioned this too. So shout out to Byron for getting something right. Chris Godwin <laughs> got hurt in that game against the Cowboys right. too. So we're talking yeah. about, okay, you saw a little bit of Chris Godwin, but we didn't yeah. fully see how the Cowboys could totally game plan right. for them. And to Rick, what you were talking about before with Cowboys want to keep everything off, maybe not press the line of scrimmage. If everyone remembers that first play of the game, and it, they designed it this way specifically before they even got to Dallas, right. was one of those swing passes, a screen pass to Chris Godwin that he went yards. up the field. Yeah. yeah, went up the field for uh, for a first down. So obviously, you're going to see a much healthier Chris Godwin. 100 receptions, over a thousand yards. My hats off to him for everything that he's done this season. And Russell, I don't know exactly what the Bucs are going to get from Julio Jones just because that injury can flare up at any moment, and it has reared its ugly head at times. So, like, you can go to the Seattle game. Yeah, that was a great game, but Julio Jones caught the ball in stride. There wasn't a Seahawk within 10 yards of him when he scored the touchdown. I don't know if that's, like, a great groundbreaking play by Julio Jones, but Russell Gage, I will say – the last couple of weeks, you know, he's not getting the crazy chunk plays that we all expected him to get. So yeah. there's definitely room for improvement right. in that area. Yeah. But he's become Mr. Red Zone. And you yeah. know, third Five and touchdowns. Exactly. Yeah. So he's getting it done in the important areas where the Bucks have struggled all year long is the red zone and third and fourth down. But the one guy that's been getting it done yeah. has been Russell Gage. And, and going back right to that first game, the Buccaneers' red zone problems really flared up at that point in time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it was a field goal fest outside of the touchdown pass to Mike Evans, that, that fade route. And is, is that an, an area that, that Dallas has continued to have success in, or was that just the Buccaneers' offense just bogging down in the red zone? And, and that, that kind of became commonplace in Tampa. But how much of that is 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 attributed to what Dallas has done in the red zone? Have they been – uh, we've been good in the that, red zone that, that we have even last week against washington uh we we turned the ball over and they were starting inside their 25 twice yeah um you know we do pretty well at holding the to, to field goals there uh i think one of the things that that i noticed is and, and you and i talked a little bit about this earlier scott is with the the lack of the actual rushing attack and using mm-hmm. those swing passes when you get in the red zone, that tends to bog down a little bit because the, right. the field yeah. shrinks a little bit. So I think that's that's one of the things. 
Uh, one of the interesting things, Matt, I wanted to go back to, you know, you were touching on Russell Gage and, and Julio Jones. And I think some of the personnel groupings are going to be really interesting here. Um, so we're going, talking about Deron Bland. They will sometimes, they'll, they'll keep him as the outside corner if, if, say, a team goes in 12 personnel, which I know the Bucs don't run a lot out of. So one mm-hmm. running back and two tight ends. Uh, they will also, they'll keep him outside and sometimes they'll use a, a three safety nickel look where they'll bring uh, Jerron Curse uh, mm-hmm. down in the, uh, down in, in the slot. When there's three wides on the field, they'll kick Deron Bland inside and into the slot where he and he can play both, but they'll kick yeah. him into the slot. And then you probably, I'm guessing, and they've been kind of quiet about what they're going to do, but I think you'll see Nashawn Wright uh, out outside. And then mm-hmm. there are rumblings that you may see some some Xavier Rhodes out really? there who we just picked up and hasn't seen any action with us yet. Right. Uh, but maybe. He's slowed down a bit, uh, but maybe he's a good yeah. matchup for Julio Jones at this point. Those two two veterans can go at it. Yeah, I, I, I get a funny feeling we're gonna, we're going to see because of Julio and Russell Gage's health. I think we're going to see a little bit more four wide, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 it, it all depends on how they can block Micah Parsons. We'll get into Micah in a minute, but Rick, the next question I have for you is, you know, it, it, let, let's say you're feeling a little sluggish. Let's say you wanted to have an energy drink to you know give you a little pep in your step hmm. what energy drink would you be drinking oh it's a celsius oh, see, oh just happen to have one here just happen yeah, to have one there yeah see it's celsius folks it's not just a florida thing uh, rick lives in in tennessee it's 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 nationwide and if you want to try celsius and they've got some amazing new flavors out we teased one on social media it's called fantasy vibe it's the latest vibe of course you have the arctic the tropical and the peach vibe <clears throat> the fantasy vibe is mandarin orange and marshmallow and i can't wait to try it because it sounds awesome orange is one of my absolute favorites is that what you're drinking today rick you drinking an orange it's orange there you go see now we're talking uh, so if you want to find out, like, let's say you live in Tennessee, like Rick does, where can I get Celsius? Go to Celsius.com, click on the store locator, and you'll see all these health and nutrition stores, these convenience stores, these bodegas, bodegas, these uh, grocery stores pop up where you can buy Celsius around you. Then go grab a couple cans. And then once you find your favorite flavors, go to Amazon, buy them in bulk and use the subscribe and save option. That way you can save some money to ship them right to your door and you can set the delivery methods where you can have a case of Celsius sent to you every week, two weeks, every other month, however you want it. It's going to come right to you. There's a bunch of flavors. The best part about Celsius, aside from the amazing flavors and the taste of it, is the fact that it's the healthiest energy drink you're going to find. Seven essential vitamins, including vitamin B3, which helps give you that pep in your step. And there's no sugar and there's no preservatives. That means no sugar crash later on. Why would you want an energy drink to give you a rush of energy and then have you crash later on? That's why Celsius is the best, folks. Make sure you go to Celsius.com or go to Amazon, buy them in bulk with the subscribe and save option. Celsius, the official energy drink of Pewter Report. All right, we're back here. Let's talk about Micah Parsons because the Buccaneers saw he was the absolute game wrecker, right? This was a player that had two sacks in that that first game and and also took out uh Donovan Smith <laughs> with with, <laughs> yeah. with the with the move and we saw Josh Wells have to come in Wells won't be available he's out for the year but Brandon Walton played pretty well so if they do have to have their backup tackle let's hope they don't Brandon Walton will be that guy but Donovan Smith versus Micah Parsons round 2 uh Parsons started off the season with the bang but that's not really what the Cowboys are getting from Micah Parsons down the stretch right Rick uh, not just Micah, but the pass pass arch in general. Um, 
I think so. There's a couple of uh, contributing factors to that. Uh, Coverage-wise, Anthony Brown going out and the you know the the what we've discussed at nauseum yeah. here with the corners, it changes a little bit of of, of the pass rush, right? Uh, because you get some of that from coverage where you can get there. Uh, the other thing is they and I, I'm assuming that we're going to see more of this when we get into the into the playoffs here this week. Uh, Dan Quinn has stopped moving Mike around as much as he was before. Uh, he used to move him all over the line. You would see A and B gap blitzes, which I think are important against Brady, yeah. obviously. Uh, get that middle midline pressure so he can't step up. Uh, but he's been relatively stationary at, mm-hmm. at, at right defensive end for the last several really? weeks. And, and you're seeing, I think, the toll that it's taking on his body. Um, now, he's a tremendous athlete, uh, so I'm sure he'll get, get it wired up for, for the playoffs. Uh, I said, I hope they move him around more, uh, but that it's much easier to game plan for somebody, any great defender, when you know where they're going to be. Yeah. And I can, you know, I can chip with, with, with a back. I can double with a tight end. Um, so there's a lot of that that's been going on. And you can right. you, you can see the toll that, that, it, that it's taken on him. Um, but we've got uh, some folks coming back this week uh, on defense, particularly Leighton Vander Esch. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I think that's going to make a difference. Uh, Chauncey Golston has been coming on for us, uh, mm-hmm. last couple weeks. Uh, they're playing him at D tackle now. He's a converted defensive yeah. I end. I liked him at Iowa. I thought he was a pretty good player. He was good at Iowa. He yeah. put on 25 pounds in the off season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the last couple of weeks he had a really good game in the, in the, in the run game against, uh, against the commanders, mm-hmm. uh, or the commodes, the as commodes. you like yeah. to call them, Scott, and you <laughs> won't commodes. get any argument out of me yeah. from that. Uh, Sam Williams, uh, is another one. Yeah. Uh, now there interesting was news today with interesting Sam news. He was, uh, involved in a car accident a few weeks ago and, uh, missed a game because of concussion from the car accident. And there was a, a warrant issued for him today okay. for reckless driving. So we'll, oh we'll see how that, that plays out. Uh, but he is somebody where I think they can use him at defensive end and let Micah move around a little bit more. Yeah. Well, when you look at at uh, at, at Sam Williams too, uh, four sacks. Um, your second leading sacker, Mike, Micah, has thirteen and a half. But but the interesting thing, about, yeah, Dorrance Armstrong, who went to KU, so that automatically makes him a Ooh. bad player. But <laughs> um, but the, the thing with Micah Parsons though is we talked about the drop off in sacks. He's got, he's got a sack and a half over the last six games. And and Rick, um, before we switch to the Cowboys offense and the Bucks defense, and we'll talk a little bit too about, um, you know, uh, about the the schedule for the Cowboys here. The, the the playoffs, as you know, are typically about two things: health and momentum. Right? Do you have momentum heading into the playoffs, and are you a healthy team? Teams that have momentum and health, and we saw that with the Buccaneers in 2020. They were the healthiest team heading into the, the postseason. They lost uh, their starting right guard, Alex Kappa, to a broken uh, leg in the Washington game, the first uh, uh, wild card game. Otherwise, all of their starters suited up for the Super Bowl, right? And they won eight straight games. So that's where the health and momentum come into play. If you look at the Cowboys, they are three and two in their last five games. Those those wins came against the likes of the Houston Texans, 27-23, which is a kind of a, a last-minute furious comeback, mm-hmm. uh, a bad loss in overtime to Jacksonville. And then you've got an inspired win over a, a Gardner Minshew-led Eagles team, 40-34. to That's probably the best win you've had down the stretch here. 
a 27-13 win on Thursday night against a, a, a team in Tennessee that's in the downward spiral and then a really bad loss, 26-6 to the, the Tennessee Titans. So what's what's happened over the last five weeks? The Cowboys were, were kind of in it for a minute in the NFC East race. The Eagles won that in week 18. But, but does this Cowboys team have some momentum or not? So the one thing I would, I would say is we – we were five and two, maybe five and three against playoff teams heading into mm-hmm. the playoffs. And I think you guys right. are two and four against playoff teams. So I think yes. that's something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um, you never want to take a loss like we did at Washington, right? Yeah. Not good. Um, I will put a counter argument out there to that as far as trying to find a silver lining or, or mm-hmm. a half full. A lot of those games that you've won as far as like going against Houston, who did play Kansas City tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think took them to overtime, right? Right. Um, the fight, so Lovey Smiths. We've won a lot of those games where they weren't the cleanest games. Um, I kind of feel better that what happened last week happened because it's a wake up call. Mm-hmm. If you could, I think if they would have continued just squeaking by, you know, feeling yourself, you know, smelling yourself, as they say, right. going into the playoffs with, with squeaking by in a, what I'll call a sloppy win. Yeah, I don't know that that helps you. Um, now we did last year. Uh, you know, we blew the Eagles out. I think we scored fifty-one or forty-six points the last game of the season. Then we got right. bounced by the by the 49ers. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm going to say that this serves as a wake-up call for this team. Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking that too. You know, we were doing the pewter post-game show because the Bucks have played earlier, but you know, we had the game on on the side as well. And I was thinking to myself, like, this is not. This is not great for the Bucs if the Cowboys are playing so bad. Because once the playoffs get there, and obviously, you know, you correct yourself and your focus is even better than it really was before. And the Cowboys proved that, you know, in a big moment, at least in this season, because we know how the Cowboys have choked in the past, no offense. But, you know, they had a big game this year against the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, we can say maybe the Vikings aren't as great as their record is. Best game of the season. That they smoked the Vikings. Like, it it wasn't even close. They changed the game in the third quarter. They changed the game to another game in the third quarter. It was that much of a blowout. So the Cowboys clearly have it in them in in a big game and a road game, nonetheless. Well, one thing I would point to is they haven't lost back-to-back games all season. Mm -hmm. That's important. Yeah, that is. Rick, um, real quick before we switch to the offensive side for the Cowboys versus the Bucks defense, when you look at at this game, what does Tampa – if Tampa Bay is going to win the game, what has to work well offensively for them to, you know, aside from score one more point than the Cowboys? But I'm, what, what does the, the Bucks offense have to do well against the Cowboys to score 19 points or more and get a win over Dallas on Monday night? Uh, obviously, don't turn it over, right? I think Godwin's had some some fumbling yeah. issues here. Back-to-back back games. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as with really any game, I think it comes down to that offensive line. If mm-hmm. you can, you know, you're going to have to protect Brady and you're going to have to allow him to get the ball out. Uh, right. That That's the key for me. And I, I've said that all week for the Cowboys defense. That is going to be the key is the pass rush has to return to form. And that's going to be the key for us on defensively. Yeah. Right. Um, let's take a look now at uh, you're talking about, about pass rush and offensive line. The last time these two teams played, uh, the, the Cowboys suffered a, a very um, surprising injury in training camp to their their Pro Bowl left tackle. And, and that didn't start their season on a high note, although they kind of re- recovered. And we saw uh, your rookie first round pick step in at left tackle. And I thought he 
actually fared pretty well. The Buccaneers got to Dak Prescott a couple of times. Matter of fact, Shaq Barrett, who's not going to be playing in this game because he tore his Achilles tendon against the Ravens on Thursday night. But you go back to that week one game, and uh, interestingly enough, he actually knocked Dak Prescott out of the game in the fourth quarter, and we saw Cooper Rush come in, and he had to quarterback this team for several weeks and actually proved to be a winner. And, you know, so the, the season wasn't over just because Dak Prescott was out. But uh, Tampa Bay's defensive line, their defensive front with some of those Todd Bowles blitzes did put some pressure on Dak Prescott. I think they scored uh, on their opening drive, a field goal, and then 10 straight yes. possessions without any points. Yeah, so you guys always – I don't know what it is with with the Bucks, but you always seem to, to draw our offensive line when it's compromised. So I think last year, Zach Martin was out. Week yeah. one, as you mentioned, this year, Scott. Uh, and then here we are this year. Uh, right now, uh, our center, Tyler Biotis, has been out for the last game and a half. Should be back this week, which is is huge. Yeah. Uh, and then we lost uh, the Houston game. We lost our starting right tackle, Terrence Steele. Right. Uh, so that's where Tyron Smith is playing now over there at right tackle, which he he played his rookie year here and also mm-hmm. when he was at USC in college. So it is it safe to say that the Cowboys offensive line, similar to Tampa Bay's, is in better shape heading into this week than maybe it has in a couple of weeks? Uh, since, yeah, I mean, we're not replacing Terrence Steele. It's never obviously a bad thing to have Tyron Smith come in for him. Um, yeah. you know, he's a little older now, hasn't played right tackle in a while. Um, what I've seen in the run game is pass pro is still very good right. uh, in the run game. And he's playing, you know, you've got two potential hall of famers there and him and Zach Martin on the right side of the line, still working through getting used to some of those reach blocks and some of the mm-hmm. zone schemes on that right side. And then also an interesting thing is just seeing the communication uh, between him and Zach Martin develop as far as how they're attacking combo bo- blocks and, and getting up to the second level. Uh, so yeah, we're there and then we'll have, uh, our center back and, uh, Jason Peters will go back to more of a swing tackle role. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's, it's as healthy as, as we're going to be at this point, you know, bar, short of the folks that are out for the season. Yeah. It, it's really interesting going into, uh, you know, you're talking about the run game, the Cowboys, obviously they got the, the two running back situation going with Tony Pollard and, mm-hmm. and Zeke and. The Bucks, in terms of stopping the run on defense, uh, it, it's quite interesting because at the beginning of the year, they got absolutely gashed at times. And, uh, you know, we have come to learn that it's it's really the case of if Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks are in together, the Bucks, I won't say look like the, the run-stopping defense from last season and the year before where you'd be lucky if you got three or four yards against them, but clearly way better. But if you only have Vita Vea or Akeem Hicks, only one of them in, the Bucks will allow 100, 120 plus right. per game. So how do you see this matchup going with the Bucks defensive line? We can include the linebackers as well, going up against uh, the Cowboys offensive line and the combo of Zeke and Tony Pollard. Yeah, so I've noticed that. It was one of my observations with, with Veda, uh, Via Veda and, and Hicks, right? When they're on yeah. the field at the same time, much different, different than story. if they're out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think it's a great matchup um, for, you know, as far as if you're a fan of football, I think it's a great matchup. Right. Um, you're going to see them try to establish the run. Uh, they're, they have to do it. Um, I, I'd like to see a little bit of a uh, more variety on first down. Uh, we, we're the highest run team as far as first down run percentage in the league. 
Like Tampa's uh, got to be second. <laughs> and, and we are well. Tampa's got to be number and, two. And maybe a similar similar to that, Scott, is we're also near the bottom of the league in yards per carry on first down. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that has got to get established uh, to keep them on schedule, so that you know we're not getting in third and long. Uh, and you know we've got to take some pressure off of Dak so that he's not having the feeling like he has to press. Yeah. To move the offense. Uh, once they get in a rhythm with the run game uh, between Pollard and Zeke, uh, it, you know, we're, we're it's a tough offense to, to deal right. with. Yeah, Rick, we got some fan questions here. Let's get to some of these right directed to you. I saw one of them here that was, uh, has Cavante Turpin done anything for Dallas this season as, as a kick return or punt return guy? You know, we, he lit it up in the preseason. He you was just were... named an all pro. Okay. Today. Yeah. So, uh, but with that said, um, he hasn't had. He hasn't scored. We mm-hmm. talked. I think the last time we talked, he had just come off of that preseason game where yeah. he had a kick and a punt return for a touchdown. Um, he hasn't done that, but what he has done, short of the turnovers last week, uh, right. he has moved field position for us mm-hmm. uh, better than I, we've had it at a returner in a while. Where uh, you either have to kick away from him, mm-hmm. uh, if or if he gets it, you know he's been flipping field position for us. To an extent, nothing drastic, but yeah. uh, he he's been effective there. Uh, but I, you know, we can discuss whether that's he's an All Pro or Pro Bowl right. selection. But <laughs> hey, they selected him, so good good for him. I mean, it, yeah. you know, kid coming in out of the USFL, uh, right. so it's a great story. Uh, we've had a couple of comments here uh, about Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Which running back is better? Is more dangerous? Which one's the better pass protector? We know Pollard catches the ball really, really well out of the backfield, but but as it stands right now, who's the better running back? If you're, you know, if you're Mike McCarthy, who are you, who are you using as your 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 uh, your bell cow this game? So I view them, and I think, and this may sound odd, and I think the, the Cowboys do too. They view them as as a as one running back. It, mm-hmm. It's it's one running game, and they'll use whichever combo they have to, depending on what's working, what they're trying to do. Um, you know, if I've got to hang my hat on somebody, it, it's it's Tony Pollard at this point mm-hmm. because he's so explosive. Uh, but you get me down in the red zone or short yardage situation, I, I want Zeke in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Zeke is much better at, at pass pro. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, you know, one of the underrated parts of a running back game is their pass protection. Yeah. Zeke's phenomenal at it. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's it's the combination of the both one uh, of the two. Yeah. One thing that I will say is, is against – uh, so week one, uh, you know, and certainly that was several weeks ago, and Zeke's got some some mileage on him at this point, and right. we're late in the season. Uh, but he was the more effective runner uh, against mm-hmm. you, and he tends to be uh, a little more effective than Pollard when you start looking at the type of defensive lines that 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 that, that, that like Tampa has the bigger physical lines, right? Like he's he's kind of a ground and pound guy, where Pollard yeah. is a little bit of a slasher and can take advantage of lighter. Uh, defensive lines that maybe, you know, have a little bit more room to wiggle, right? Yeah. And I mean, getting, you know, I think an interesting matchup is if, if getting Pollard in space or to the edges against, against your linebackers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's another one from Harbinger. We appreciate uh, the, the questions here, Rick. Do you think the Cowboys are playing scared coaching scared of the coaches scared of being fired players scared of, of being traded And they're, you know, it's kind of funny, right? Cause there's the Sean Payton, you know, um, Lingering, you know, lingering. Um, hey, Sean you know, Payton he's got out the there. Texas connection. 
Yeah, you know, and 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 Jerry Jones, you know, he he'll he'll put heat on any coach, right? Just ask Jason Garrett. So is is Mike McCarthy, despite twelve wins, is is he worried that if he's one and done this year, that he could be Black Tuesday? I hope that's not on his mind. I don't think they're playing scared. Uh, I I really don't think they're playing scared. Um, honestly, I, I think you know there could be some benefit from a kind of the old Bill Parcells mentality where he's, he's bringing free agents in every at the end of practice for the other players to see it, who, who mm-hmm. he's working out at their position. Uh, so I would say, you know, they're not scared. Uh, I don't think McCarthy's concerned with that. Uh, you know, he's, he's a very focused guy. He seems to be very good at blocking out the noise and uh, certainly having this being his third year in Dallas, he knows what he's got to deal with there. Uh, the Sean Payton thing is out there. He and Jerry are, are close. He's right. still, his family still lives in Dallas. Uh, if you look at their records, uh, they, 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 he and McCarthy have virtually identical career records. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, it, you, people have their thoughts on which is better and why. Um, you know, the one thing, uh, just to, talking about that because it's out there, uh, the one thing that, you know, there's obviously a compensation to get, Peyton out of out of contract with New Orleans if, if mm-hmm. you want to go that route. Uh, the other thing is he wants full control of mm-hmm. personnel and everything. That doesn't really match with what Dallas does. They haven't yeah. had that since you know Jimmy obviously was that way. Uh, right. Had it with Bill Parcells and it, and it has hasn't been that way since. Uh, so I don't think they're scared. Uh, and if if there is that thought, then I hope it, you use it as a motivator. Because there's one yeah. way to address it: you go out and win. Another well, question if, from uh, Harvinder. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, man. Oh, go sure. Ahead. Go. I was going to say, if Bucks fans do think that the Cowboys are coaching scared, you think the Bucks are going to win, you might want to bet on them over at my bookie. My Did we lose Matt there? Uh, am I there here? There you go. We got you, Matt. Okay. Yeah, here you know. yep. Back to my bookie. Uh, it's a new year, so give yourself a fresh start with my bookie. Uh, whether you earn to whether you bet to earn or make games more exciting. Uh, my bookie gives you the most of your money with their redesigned deposit bonus. Just use a promo code pewter P E W T E R on a deposit of $50 or more to receive a cash bonus instantly to your, my bookie account. Using this bonus is simple. Bet your deposit amount just once and you're ready to cash out. It's no strings attached with my bookie, Bet on the NFL UFC Play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly online blackjack tournaments. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and win like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. So I was going to put this question up here from uh, Harvinder, and it was about... What are your thoughts, Rick, on on Dallas having issues playing on real grass? I didn't see the statistic until this week, but I guess the Cowboys struggle playing on 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 grass for away games. Apparently, so um, I don't put much stock in that. It, you know, it, it it's out there. It is what it is. I don't know that there's any type of correlation to it. Certainly, you know, you're going to play a little bit faster on turf, and you build your team for what you have on your home field. Uh, but I. I don't see that as anything that's like, oh, we can't. We, this is a big problem. And we can't play on grass. I, I mean, Scott, you've been covering, and Matt, you guys have been covering it, and it's been all over. So I've, we've, yeah. I've certainly heard it. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I certainly I, you look at a team like the 
the greatest show on turf, the old Rams, right? They they were much different on turf than they were. Uh, I don't think this this Cowboys team is is built to that extent uh, to be a turf exclusive team, right? <laughs> Yeah, I so yeah, I mean, again at the press at the press conference today, you know, um Larry Foote, the Bucks co defensive coordinator, got asked about it. So did Levante David and Mike Evans. I'm thinking like, you know, we're here to talk about Bucks Cowboys playoff and a grass conversation came up to the point that yeah. we were talking about the freaking Germany game, <clears throat> excuse me, from a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, why are we talking about the grass of the Germany game? They're not playing over right. there, they're playing in Tampa, so I don't know. Maybe we'll see the Bucks grow the the grass a little bit taller this uh, <laughs> this week to slow down the likes of Tony Pollard and and CD Lamb. I don't put too much stock into it. I just think the Cowboys yeah. played poorly. You know, obviously against Washington last week, which wants me to bring up uh, the play of Dak Prescott as well. Curious to get your thoughts about yeah. that because again, we were doing the Peter Post game show and the interception that Dak threw. He threw a pass to the right side, like maybe one or two plays before. Again, I had it out of the corner of my eye. So when he threw the interception on the same exact play, I was like, wait, are they like showing a replay? Did did I miss something? So, uh, you know, Dak's thrown multiple interceptions uh, in multiple weeks, not two interceptions every single time. I think the Tennessee one gets overblown because the receiver right. dropped it and it was and it was picked off there. But how would you make of the, the play of Dak Prescott over, you know, the last month or so? Yeah, so – He's probably throughout the season, he's had five or six of his interceptions where they weren't fully on him, and I'm not excusing turnovers. Uh, yeah. But the reality is he's had some drops. He's had some receivers that have bailed on routes on him or not run the right route or read the same thing. Uh, he tips off of hands. You know, the, if you go back to the Jacksonville game, Noah yeah. Brown, right in his hands, and it goes right to Rashawn Jenkins. Um, he, outside of those... Uh, there are times when I think he he gets a little more aggressive than he traditionally has been. Um, and I think that's, you know, Dak doesn't want to ever give up on a play. He doesn't throw the ball away a whole lot, doesn't like to take sacks. Uh, and, and sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that you you press a little bit and you try to squeeze some things in where you shouldn't. So, you know, to that point, your point about the Washington game, he, he went uh, to Noah Brown on uh, on that right side and the very next play came back to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was uh, not to get too in the, the weeds here, but it was, it was cover two. Uh, so you've got a, you know, you're going to have a corner up pressing. Uh, it was third and five and it's a speed out. You know, you know, you're going to have a corner there. You can never leave that ball to the inside. Uh, and he did, um, you know, press conference after every game says he's going to learn from it and correct it. Uh, so you know we'll, we'll see, but this is playoff time, and you, and you can't turn the ball over. Yeah, the interesting thing about about Prescott, and you know why why the Cowboys maybe aren't playing with a ton of momentum down the stretch here is he's thrown an interception in the last seven games. Again, not all his fault, but but th that that's quite the streak. And in four of those games, he's thrown a pair of interceptions. And and so in twelve games that he's been healthy for this year, Rick, he's thrown fifteen interceptions. One of those was to Antoine Winfield back in week one. That was that was the the lone uh, interception uh, that he threw against Tampa Bay there. Um, Winfield's had a, a really good year, went healthy. So it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, Brady went through a stretch too where he threw a pair of interceptions in three straight games. They were able to overcome two of those in the Cardinals game. But, but then when he goes interception free, 
as he has over the past two weeks, this offense puts up some points, 30 points in, in the, the win over Carolina to win the NFC South, 17 points uh, at the uh, the first half of, of week 18 before he was pulled. So it, it's really going to come down to can Dak Prescott protect the ball, right? I think, well, and, and I'll, I'll go a little bit deeper than that, and I think this also has a lot to do with the, the interceptions you've seen this year. Certainly some, are, some of those are on him where it's a bad throw or, or didn't quite read the coverage right and, and, and went somewhere he shouldn't with the ball. I think the underlying issue is outside of CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup and Noah Brown are not very good route runners. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to create space for themselves. They don't separate real well. We've got one of the lowest wide receiver separation percentages in the league. Uh, and I and so a lot of times he's got to throw in the tight windows because he's, yeah. his receivers and, and some of that, you know, and this is a, a deeper discussion, but some of that is scheme mm-hmm. where you're counting on receivers. Michael Gallup and Noah Brown, who realistically are, are wide receiver three and four, not two and three, should be. Right. Um, so you're counting on them in, in this scheme that we run that is a, 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 a variant of the Air Coriel offense. Mm-hmm. You're counting on the receivers to win one-on-one matchups versus some of these, you know, if you look at like a McVay or what Andy Reid does, where you're able to, when your guys are not winning their routes one-on-one, you're able to scheme things open and create some separation. And I think Dak is is paying the price for that with these interceptions because yeah. he's got a lot of tight windows. He's got to throw it. And that's honestly, that's why you, you heard all the talk about bringing in uh, Odell Beckham. Yeah. Uh, and that's why they ended up signing T.Y. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I think, too, when you go back and look at that 31-29 game that was a nail-biter to start the, the 2021 season, they're dealing with Amari Cooper that game, plus C.D. Lamb. It just was a much more varied offensive attack. Michael Gallup in there as well, and and now it just seems like if if you can if you can put the screws on C.D. Lamb and and not let him have a 120 yard game, maybe keep him you know 75 yards, right? Kind of contain him rather than 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 let him go wild. You stand a pretty good chance of kind of neutralizing this Cowboys passing attack. Now Dalton Schultz. I think is a little bit of an underrated tight end. You know, he's he's kind of hurt the Buccaneers a little bit in the past. But can Schultz step up and be maybe that de facto number two to to help Dak Prescott in this game and and take a little bit of pressure off CeeDee Lamb? He can to move the chains. Uh so you know, when CeeDee's been most effective, and the crazy thing is we're having this conversation is we're we're top two, I believe, right now in scoring in the league. So right. you yeah. know, if, if we'd stop doing these things, uh, you know, imagine what it's gonna look like. Um CD's been very effective when they get him on the move and they move mm-hmm. him around and they're able to to get get him running routes from different spots, from the slot, from the outside. Uh when he's in, in motion and he's on the move pre-snap, uh very effective. Um, the other thing that, that we we've had success with, and they've kind of gone away from it a little bit. And I expect that we'll probably see that this week, uh, is, is our three tight end set, uh, where we bring in, uh, in addition to Schultz, uh, we're bringing in Jake Ferguson and, uh, Peyton Hendershot, both rookies. Mm-hmm. That's been a very effective, se- uh, set for them, uh, in the passing attack. So, uh, I think you'll, you'll see some of that. And um, I think T.Y. Hilton is, uh, is going to be, you know, in, in, it's crazy to say this about a guy that's been there three weeks. Yeah. He's going to be very important to this offense in the passing game because he is a guy 
He's a veteran. He's a polished route runner. He can create separation on his own, you know, with his knowledge, with his route running and get you when you get into these third and five situations where they want to double CD, Mm -hmm. you've got somebody that can work, work underneath, work against coverage to give you another option. And then you add Schultz to that. Yeah, Matt, it's going to be really interesting, right? Because we saw Carlton Davis, who's healthier after sitting out last week with a shoulder injury. We saw what he could do against Jamar Chase, right? It, covering him all over the field, I think held him to, what, uh, three catches for 32 yards, broke up four passes, had an interception. Uh, and, and really, Todd Bowles has not let Carlton Davis travel a whole bunch, right? He's right. he's basically been that starting left corner, and then when Jamel Dean's healthy, he's the starting right corner, or maybe Sean Murphy Bunting. If he's in there, he'll be at, at the right cornerback for, for Dean a little bit. But it's going to be interesting, right, to see if Carlton Davis – does follow and travel with with CD wherever he goes, and CD is used a lot out of the slot. So, w- will will he want to go with with Anton Winfield Jr. in the slot and continue there, or move Carlton Davis and have him follow CD wherever he goes? Yeah, it's interesting as well, considering that um, Antoine Winfield Jr. last week, they assigned him to cover, or sorry, two weeks ago, they assigned him to cover DJ Moore a little bit against the right. Panthers, and, and DJ Moore got the better of Antoine Winfield yeah. Jr., but I, I don't I don't put too much stock into that. I just think it wasn't the best moments for Antoine Winfield Jr. I think Todd Bull said it best. It's like, you're on the field for 60 plays. You may play well for 56 of them, but there's four plays that everyone notices, and that's what kind of like right. gets the headlines. But to your point about Carlton Davis, it's surprising that they don't move him around more because it's one thing if you can go from sideline to sideline and go from the left to the right side of the field. It's another when you can do it very, very well, and that's what yeah. Carlton Davis does. He's a physical corner, and he's the type of player that just loves going up against the best of the best. And I know every player yeah. will say that, but not every player acts that way when you finally get onto the field. Carlton Davis has shown it with DeAndre Hopkins years ago. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, again, on Christmas night, the Jamar Chase game, as you brought it up. Carlton lives for these moments. And I think, again, it's a playoff game. It's win or go home. You have to exhaust all of your options. I don't see why they wouldn't put Carlton Davis on, yeah. on, on C.D. Lamb. You, as I I don't want to keep quoting Byron Leftwich, but you want to put good on good, and you want to put Carlton Davis in that situation. It, it's, a varsity, it's a varsity game. Yep. Varsity varsity game. Yeah, football. it's a very so varsity I, game. Question yeah. for you guys. So yeah. how do you, how do you guys feel? Uh, how is Carlton Davis in the slot? Are you confident with him there? I, I don't think he's played historically yeah, very he well played. in the slot. He's a better outside I was kind of hoping he would follow CD and he'd go in the yeah. slot with him. Yeah. Now, that's it, not to say Todd Bowles is not going to try – to, to use him there. But the advantage of having Winfield in the slot is, is Winfield's a very good blitzer. And so you'll see some of those blitzes. I think they even had one against Dak where, where, uh, you know, he applied some pressure from, from there. So that, that that's where really where Winfield excels, not just covering receivers, but also blitzing from the slot. And one of the things that, that I think we do exceptionally well and one area where, where we excel is, is with our Peter game day show. And, and we've got a, a big game coming up here, obviously Monday night, we're going to have our live tailgate show at the walk-ons in Midtown starting at 6 o'clock. And then we've got live in-game analysis with Matt Matera at 8.15. That's the kickoff time. So Pewter Game Day, you want to be here for that Monday, 8.15, live in- in-game analysis. It's the Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show. And that does happen. It's presented by Adrian Juvenation at walk-ons. 
And that walk-ons location is right here, folks. It's the Midtown Tampa location. So make sure that you join us there. Midtown or Wesley Chapel, if you want to uh, get there to watch the game, it's the best place to go to watch games. Folks, they've got TVs galore, fantastic food, drink specials. I know on game days, they've got Miller Lite and Blue Moon specials for their, their pints and their big 22 ounces. So make sure that you're watching this Bucks cowboys game at walk-ons before the game or during the game if you can't make it to the stadium. And again, those times are 6 o'clock at the Midtown uh, location, Midtown Tampa, and then 8.15 we'll have Peter Game Day, Matt Matera, live in-game analysis. So, Scott, one of the things, and Matt, one of the things I was, uh, real quick, uh, is a lot of folks don't realize, you know, when you <laughs> – you get, when you put a corner in cat coverage, right? Hey, you go follow that cat wherever he goes. Right. Uh, the effect that in what it requires out of the other corners and in, in, in the safeties, because if I'm following, if Carlton Davis is following CD everywhere he goes, if they, he has to follow him in the slot, those are a lot of variables and adjustments that yeah. the other defensive backs have to make. So it's not always that, Hey, I don't think Trevon, it's not that we don't think Trevon Diggs can, can, can cover this guy wherever he goes right but can my other guys adjust when i've got trayvon moving all around uh yeah. and and that's you know that that's key uh especially really if you've got corners that you're not feeling i mean that's you know one of the reasons i think that you'll see xavier rhodes this week is because of his experience mm -hmm. um yeah. and you know he knows okay here's the adjustment i have to make when he's shadowing this guy but it does right. have a ripple effect throughout the secondary it does. That's an interesting point too, yeah, Matt, because point. because when when you have a receiver go in motion, right, from the outside to the slot, now all of a sudden it, it yeah, is a domino exactly. effect, right? Where where you, you've got you've got to shuffle your secondary around, you know, quite a bit there. So so Rick, we asked you what it's going to take for the Cowboys to be successful defensively against the Buccaneers offense, aside from scoring more points than than uh, than the Buccaneers, which you know historically has not been hard. <laughs> This year, you need if you have 19 points, you beat the Buccaneers. That's typically what it is because they're you're good for about 18. But but what, what does Dallas have to do to uh, to avoid a 19 to three loss or a 26 to six loss where where they've they've really had their offense kind of neutered a little bit by either self inflicted wounds or just better play on the defensive mm -hmm. side? Yeah, so you know the obvious is don't turn the ball over. Um, that's key, and I would even say you know don't turn it over more than once, which never want mm -hmm. to turn over, but I would even say don't turn it over more than once. Uh, the key for me, and, and this is probably cliche and ba very basic, is they've got to stay on schedule. They've, And mm -hmm. that's getting the run game established and being able to get to a third and manageable. Uh, I think, and in, in, like I said earlier, we run the ball a vast percentage of the time on first down. Right. Uh, if we can be effective at running the ball on first down uh, and get into a you know second or third and manageable situation, yeah. uh, it, that's going to keep Dak from pressing, and that's going right. to have an impact on obviously uh, you know hey do we have are we going to have to look for Noah Brown here on on third and eight or third right. and twelve? Uh, so to me, and it's a basic thing, but I just think they have to to stay on schedule. If they can stay on schedule. Uh, I feel really confident about about what the offense can do in this game. Yeah, Matt. Um, any other questions that that you have for Rick as it pertains to to this Bucks Cowboys match? It, it's really going to be interesting because I think it, 
both teams have not lived up to their potential on offense or defense in quite some time. And I think the Cowboys have been able to overcome some of that by, by getting 12 wins, right? Tampa Bay has only yeah. done it eight times, but it, it will be interesting to see if both of these teams do bring their best to the table, you know, what that score is going to be. And, and, and is it going to be, you know, lopsided one way or the other, or is it going to be a, a close game? I, I'm really not sure. One of the questions that yeah. we had to, to start this podcast was from Mark Fisher, who said, "You know, isn't isn't this just a weird playoff game when when you literally don't know what other team is going to be able to do in this game?" What, what I want to know too, Rick, is you know the uh, the past couple of years, and especially since Dak has been the quarterback, you know the Cowboys have been perennial playoff contenders. Some would say, you know, in the conversation. Mm-hmm for the Super Bowl. So I'm just curious, your confidence level, is it higher, lower, or about the same in this year's Cowboys team versus the Cowboys last season and the season before? Where's your confidence level with them going into this game? Uh, or to I'd make say it it, it, it's, it's about the same going into round one. Um, I will tell you, uh, if, if they beat the Buccaneers this week, my – I think that's a big hump for them to get over. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think then I'm confident that they could get on a good run. I really do. But I think, you know, it, not to state the obvious, you got to get past round one. But I think the mentality of this team, and it was some of what you, you know, your question you had earlier, are they playing mm-hmm. scared? What have you? I think, you know, Brady's what, seven and oh against the Cowboys. Yeah. Getting through this first round with a win, I think, is one of those times where that's going to propel them and like one psychological boost. Yeah, and I think that they're going to say, okay, it's all in front of us now. We've got this monkey off of our back, and I think they could go on a run. So I'm confident, you know, beyond this game. Yeah. Once they get through round one, I think they can make a run. Yeah. Um, last one for me, Mike McCarthy. What is the level of confidence that that you and other Cowboy followers have in him outside looking in? And then what do you think that, that this team has – in terms of confidence, because he has had some questionable play clock management, game day management mm-hmm. in the past. I don't know if that's the case this year, but certainly it's it's prevented the Cowboys from living up to their potential once they get to the postseason. So ha- has he grown as a coach? Does he have more confidence from the fan base and maybe even from the team? Yes, yeah, he does. Um, now, it you know, anytime you, you have a loss like we had against the Redskins last, or I'm sorry, I'm old the and commodes. I grew up in the D.C. Yeah. area, the commodes, um, you know, every you, you know how fans are is, yeah. and, you know, the community is a it's all over the place. Yeah. Uh, there are people questioning it. And especially with Sean Payton being out there, um, it, he was brought here to win in January. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, Jerry talked about his pedigree and being able to win in January. That's why he was brought here. Uh, right. I think that if you look at what he did, five games without Dak, yeah, they went four and one, uh, twelve and five is the first time since the mid '90s that we've had back to back twelve win seasons mm-hmm. and back to back playoff uh, appearances. Yeah, so I feel confident with him. Uh, I think he's a good, steady hand. Uh, We'll see what happens this week. If you know, my feeling is, if they look like they did against the Commanders, if that is what Monday night looks like, yeah, then I think everything's on the table. Um, yeah. If otherwise, I, I think he's safe. The the bigger conversation, uh, to be honest, uh, within Dallas and 
and amongst the fan base is the offensive coordinator position. And I think it's probably a similar, similar conversation that you guys are hearing there in Tampa Bay. Yeah, but that's, what's Dallas averaging, Greg? What's your point? What's your point average? That is, and so that's the other side of the argument. So there's things that I look at in an offense, just yeah. uh, very briefly. Uh, points, obviously, you have to score points, uh, right. and they're putting up a ton of points. Uh, but I want to see, you know, are you able to run a four minute offense? Are you mm-hmm. able to sustain drives when you need to? Um, are you, and this is a, a big one, I think you and I talked about this. Are your wide receivers all bunched together? Right? <laughs> yes. And in the thing, and, 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 you know, Byron Leftwich is, is a young coordinator. Uh, Kellen Moore, you know, still a young coordinator. He's yep. been there a few years. I mean, he came off the bench as a backup quarterback. And now he's right. like, it, it, do you have answers when the defense takes away the things that you want to do, that you, you want to hang your hat on? Yeah. When the defense takes that away, are you able to answer? Do you have a counter to that? And yeah. those things to me outside or in conjunction with, with right. scoring points, those things are important uh, when you talk about, is this a good offense? And if, yeah. is this a good offensive coordinator? And, and so I guess your answer to that, uh, Kellen Moore is not creative, doesn't really have the the plan B, doesn't really have that, that, you know, backup plan when, when, when the, the original game plan isn't working. That's my feeling, uh, yeah. and I think he's gotten a little bit better at it, uh, yeah. you know, because of of Mike McCarthy being there. Right. Uh, and we, you've seen some things that have happened over the course of the year where you could tell that's not Kellen Moore. That that's a Mike McCarthy, uh, which right. I'd like to see. I'd like to see more of. Well, and, and you know what? I, th- this is part of it too. W- without Bruce Arians in the headset of Byron Leftwich, now granted, we talk about the Bucks having some missing pieces, right? No Pro Bowl center Ryan Jensen, no Pro Bowl left guard Ali Marpet, no uh, Antonio Brown, no Rob Gronkowski. It's a lot of, of good firepower that's that's gone, a lot of talent that's off the field that Byron doesn't have to work with this year. And, and, and I too, it's all on his shoulders. He doesn't have that suggestion from a Bruce Arians mm-hmm. who's in his headset a couple feet away from him on the sidelines anymore. And, and we've seen that in Tampa. When, when it's not going, when the script isn't working, there's, there's no off script revisions. There's no uh, plan B that, that is just as good. At, it, it usually is the downward spiral for the offense in those types of situations until you get to the two-minute drive and, and Brady can call his own plays and take yeah. over, and then you see the Buccaneers you know, end up winning against the Rams, the Saints, the Cardinals, and the Panthers in, in, uh, in harrowing fashion because Tom has to take the game over. So, well, it, it, you know, it's funny you said that um, <clears throat> because I, you know, there was people talking about, Oh, this is Dan Quinn against Byron Leftwich. Uh, oh, for boy. me, I, I don't, <laughs> I think this is Dan Quinn against Tom Brady. Yeah. that That's yeah. where I think that's that the, the, this is the strategy. And I, and I think that's the matchup. Um, you know, one of the things, if, do we have a quick second? We or do. Two yeah, second? absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the reason I want to ask you is because it's a somewhat of a similar dynamic that you have there with, with Leftwich and Brady, right? Where mm-hmm. um, they're almost contemporaries, right? Similar yeah. in age. Uh, I, the, the dynamic of that relationship with an offensive coordinator and a, and a quarterback, when you're those, well, you're almost peer to peer, which I think can be good sometimes, but I also wonder, you know, is it detrimental? And, and mm-hmm. it's, you know, similar to what we have with Dak. The guy was competing for a job with Kellen Moore, you know, right. five years ago, <laughs> now they're working together, and, yeah. and now he's your, he's your yeah. offensive coordinator. Uh, and I wonder if, if that dynamic doesn't 
come into play sometimes and, and, and affect some of the, the, the things that you're seeing on the field? Yeah, well, it's interesting, right? We've we shared this a little bit on the podcast. Once Byron gets fired, I'll share more. And that could happen as soon as Tuesday, the Bucks lose. But Byron, Byron Lepage is going to be replaced. He is. And and uh, I, we've talked about it multiple times in the show. We've hinted at it. We're going to write about it. It's it's going to happen. But but the thing is, is when Tom Brady was recruited by Bruce Arians, he was really excited. Right? He had a relationship with Jason Light dating back to the Patriots. You know, here you have the quarterback whisperer. He gets on the phone with, with Peyton Manning. Oh, my God, you're going to love Bruce, right? And so Tom gets to Tampa. And Bruce is like the most hands-off coach there is. He's he's riding around in the golf cart. It's it's it really it really shocked <laughs> did, Brady. Yeah. It really did because Brady thought he was going to get you know the Carson Palmer treatment, the Andrew Luck treatment with with working with the quarterback whisperer, and Bruce was really hands-off. And I think it was a shock to his system. And 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 so you had really Blaine Gabbert was the guy that that really you know he and, and Byron really kind of got Tom into the system and prepared and. And between those two, that 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 really allowed Brady to have some success right out of the gate, win the Super Bowl, et cetera. It took a little while for the offense to really kind of click in jail because they didn't have a preseason because of COVID. But but Brady is Brady, and he was able to do that. But as time has gone on, what I've heard is, I think there's I I, I don't put words in Brady's mouth, but from what I'm from what I'm hearing. It's like Brady looks at Byron and says, yeah, nice guy, you know, kind of knows football, but, you know. I'm ready for something else. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, so you know, I love a win-win situation, so I think a win-win for, for everybody on this on the screen here and, and <laughs> listening to this is if the Panthers hire Kellen Moore because they yeah. requested to interview him. Right. So I think that's a win-win for both organizations okay. right now. Uh, we we I, almost had it with the Jaguars wanting Byron yeah. Leftwich, and it, that didn't happen. I think the Jags were lucky in that instance. But now we very could very well could replace him with with Byron Leftwich. So in that case, we're going to have an issue, and I'm going to have to go call for you guys it. offline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, a, uh, it's a it's a game of musical coordinators, and that would uh, really be something. Really Before is. we uh, wrap the show yep. up, Scott, let's uh, let's hear a message from our friends over at Age Rejuvenation. Let's do it. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time. Had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. That's right, folks. I turned 50 this year. Old man. But, you know, I don't feel like an old man. I feel like I'm 40 years old. I feel 10 years younger. And there's John Gilmore, retired Buccaneer tight end. That's a current picture, folks. John looks great. He looks like he could still play tight end again. I know he loved that paycheck. And, you know, how how is he able to to feel better and, and look great? And, and how am I able to drop some pounds and, and feel younger and stronger? Well, it's the testosterone therapy we get at age rejuvenation. What I'm asking you to do is this. Go to agerejuvenation.com and click on their their uh, their consultations. Get a free, uh, no-obligation consultation. Go get your labs done. Insurance will pay for it. You'll get your testosterone level. You'll get your blood work done. And if you have low testosterone, which guess what? Most men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s do. It's a natural occurring uh, event. Nothing to be ashamed of. It happens. 
then get the testosterone therapy treatments. And, and if you mention Pewter Report, you're going to save $500 off your first treatment. It's definitely the way to go. They also have weight loss programs. If you're looking to kick off the new year with their resolution to lose some weight, they've got fantastic weight loss options as well. Go to agerejuvenation.com. Tell them Pewter Report sent you. They have five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Age Rejuvenation, the presenting uh, sponsor of the Pewter Report tailgate show, which will be at the Midtown Tampa location of uh, of walk-ons. And that's going to be this this Sunday before the game. Ah, we didn't even plan that with the hats. Those simpatico. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, real quick, uh, you, you hear us use our, our famous little call sign out when we do this. Uh, it, it, just a, a refresher. Um, at my bachelor party, um, <laughs> Rick, Rick and Mark Cook and I were the, the three last men standing. R.I.P. Cookie, we love you and miss you. Yep. And um, and we were at the pub at International Plaza. And I went to the restroom and you dipped out, my friend. It was about one o'clock in the morning and you called it a night. And the funny thing is I came downstairs and I asked Mark, I said, I said, where's Rick? He's like, I don't know. I thought he went to the restroom with you. I'm like, no, he didn't. And we're looking all over International Plaza for you because you were you, you had a couple of adult beverages that night. I, I and, may have. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so uh, we're calling you. You aren't picking up. We're wondering where the hell is Rick, you know, and all this. And then I, I, I checked my email for some reason. And you had emailed me from a cab. And you just said, out. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I've thought it? about that because I know we've discussed yeah. like why. And, and I, 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 so I went into the memory bank. So I, I have two phones. I have a work phone and a personal yeah. phone. Uh, my personal phone, which is the one that had your phone number in it, yeah, died. Right. My work phone I did have with me, and I didn't have your phone number in there, right. but you and I had emailed over my work yes. email before. So I was like, well, I just need to let him know, so I'm going to email him. <laughs> so yeah. that's why that happened. Good idea. Uh, yeah. but, uh, it, it, I thought it, it was it, the courtiest it, thing to do. But, but it wasn't uh, even it was like, hey, hey, Scott, it, we had fun tonight. You know, I, I, I had to call a cab and, you know, good night. <laughs> no, I was just out. <laughs> That's well, it's your bachelor party. I didn't want you to have to read through a diatribe of why I was leaving. It was just exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we pretty much got that. So, uh, and listen, we always appreciate, uh, you and, and your, your insight real quick before you go, give us a, a pick in this game. What's, what's your score? Uh, so you and I talked and I, I heard you, uh, bump this on your, on your podcast yeah. the other day that I had taken the, the bucks and you were going to see if I, uh, changed my mind. Yeah. Uh, so after doing some additional film review, thinking okay. about it, uh, I am going Cowboys okay. 27 to 19. Okay, there you go. Giving the Bucks an extra point. I love that. There you go. From 18 to 19. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we're going to have our picks on Pewter Reports uh, as we do always on our Pewter Preview and Predictions. Oh, see, that's column. not fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking the Buccaneers. <laughs> I don't want to score yet, but I'm, I'm picking Tampa at home. I, I cannot bet against Tom Brady, especially at home. So I, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. I think the Bucks win. Matt, how about you? I actually am picking the Bucks as well. I just think for one week, it, it's going to click. I think you get a better performance from the offense, and the defense <laughs> is able to uh, the defense is able to uh, make enough stops. Well, wait, wait, <laughs> hey, hey, do you guys have? Do you guys have a, do you guys have grass there? I might need to change my pick. Is it a yes, I, you we guys have natural grass, grass, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, uh, for Rick Zoyce, for Matt Matera, we appreciate all you Peter people uh, joining us. Make sure that you're you're following us on YouTube at Peter Report TV. Make sure you subscribe and hit the like button on this podcast and all the other ones we do. We greatly appreciate it. It helps out. But uh, we're going to have another show tomorrow. Let me just throw this little teaser up there. We're going to 
This is going to be, uh, let me get rid of this graphic here. This is how the Bucks and Cowboys have changed since week one. Well, Chris Godwin's got a lot better, that's for sure. And uh, he was able to, to play against the Cowboys before getting hurt with the hamstring injury in week one. But he's back now catching touchdowns and, and playing better. So we shall see how that is going to pan out. But uh, we'll talk about tomorrow, 4 o'clock Eastern, how the Bucks and the Cowboys have changed the season since week one. For Rick Zoyce and Matt Mater, I'm Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you tomorrow on another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Thanks for having me, guys.